Hey everyone, welcome to episode 19 of my podcast, Is Breakfast Included? Now today on the podcast, I sit down with Neil Swanson. Now Neil's a guitar player based out of Dallas, Texas. He's played with the likes of Dave Stewart of the Eurythmics, Orianthe, Richie Sambora, and is currently playing in the band Vexed, featuring Tommy Vexed, formerly of Bad Wolves. Now Neil tells us a few stories about his early days playing locally in bands and what got him to that next level. I'm going to let him tell you all about it. Check it out. All right, man. Introduce yourself. Yeah. Uh, this is Neil Swanson, um, guitar player, producer, songwriter, dad, blah, blah, blah. All the good stuff. <laughs> right on, man. Uh, like I said, first of all, I want to thank you for doing this, man. And um, I just got a few questions for you, man. Really, you'll do all the talking. I'll ask the questions and then you fill the time up however you please. <laughs> Sounds good. Let's go. Um, Man, let's get this out of the way. When did you start playing? What age did you start playing guitar? You know, I I started probably around 14. My sister got an acoustic guitar for Christmas one year, and it went straight in the corner. She never touched it, and uh, she just had a lot of other interests, I guess. But I I would sneak in there and play it, and my parents took notice. and They're like, hey, maybe we should get Neil a legit guitar, and they're very supportive, and that was it. You know, I just kept on from there. There was never a time when I didn't do it once I picked it up. Cool. And when you started playing, was there a, like a certain uh, guitarist that you kind of looked into that they got you to the catalyst for you to start playing? Right. You know, I think some of the first guys that I remember influencing me, um, I've always been a huge Aussie fan. And I remember like Randy Rhodes being one of my main, like first guys I was real into also like all the early thrash metal, like, uh, like Megadeth, Metallica, um, things like that. That was all kind of my first introduction to music. I remember my sister would always have like these heavy metal boyfriends and they'd always bring me like tapes, like check this out, dude. And I'd listen to it. Wow. So cool. Right on, man. Well, once you got into it, did you lean into anything else? Like were you introduced to any other type of guitar players or music music that you kind of took influence from? You know, early on it was, it was all rock and metal, but then in high school I started getting into like really into hip hop. And I actually played in several like hip hop and rap groups, which really forced me to get out of my comfort zone. And I had to learn how to play a lot of different styles and things. And I bitched and complained the whole time because it wasn't like I didn't get to shred. But then uh, once those bands kind of folded or broke up or went away or whatever, I remember realizing and I, I made phone calls apologizing to the guys like, hey, I'm sorry I was complaining so much. I actually really learned a lot from doing this. Um, but, you know, after, after I, I did the hip hop stuff for a while, um, I think, you know, you just want to get back to your roots and why you started out. So I kind of went back to rock music. So I play a little bit of everything, but my heart's always mostly been in playing rock on guitar, I think. Right on, man. And what was, uh, how long were you playing before you started your first band? Uh, you and know, wh- and I, what was it called? <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I think my first band was with a group of buddies in high school. You know, I was probably like 15, 16 and, um, we we started a band that actually went on to to do pretty well. It was called Tech Three. It's like a Tech Nine, but there were three of us, and it was rap metal. That's when like rap metal was really happening. And uh-huh. we uh we did really well. We were we were selling out, you know, clubs in Dallas. Like there's a uh, this this place Trees, which everybody from the Dallas area knows about, and we were selling it out. We were bringing four and five hundred people in, and we started getting big label interest and everything. 
and then our singer got in some legal trouble and had to uh had to sit it out <laughs> he had to go away for a while and so we had street cred but no band <laughs> <laughs> so that's my first band experience yeah it was, it was pretty rock and roll we 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 went hard you know it is the only band that i can recall that i've ever been in that was like a band like and what i mean by that is like we were all equal parts we wrote all the songs together it was like how people think bands work you know like we we're all buddies we started a band together from scratch and and yeah it was really fun good memories right on man and then after uh tech three dissolved was there anything else after that yeah after that it was it was kind of like i did the hip-hop thing which was it was like members from other bands from that scene you know it's like everybody just sort of got a little incestual with with the projects and you know as you network as you grow you know everybody just starts trying things together and trying to find chemistry with people. So I did a group called one up for a while. And then I moved on to play with another Dallas man called the vanished for a little bit, which ironically vanished. And then, uh, <laughs> but these, these were all in the Dallas Fort Worth area. These were bands that, that were well-known and did well, but at some point, you know, you gotta, you gotta branch out, get out of your local scene. And I guess I was lucky enough to do that at some point. Yeah. Yeah. So around what year was, uh, was one up and that, you know, these other projects. Oh man. So the one up thing started happening like early two thousands, like around Oh four, I mm-hmm. think Oh four, Oh five. And we did a bunch of um, two, two things we did that were interesting. One was it was like a full band hip hop, which at the time I'm not saying we like, you know, invented anything, but w- there weren't a lot of groups doing like live band hip hop at the time. And we would play with groups like bone thugs and harmony and three, six mafia and the audiences where we had mixed reviews, like the girls loved us, but that made the guys hate us even more. <laughs> so we, we got some hate. And, um, but one thing that we also did that was interesting was we did a bunch of like USO tours. So the government would fly us around to you know all these different countries to play for US troops stationed everywhere. And man, we got to go some cool places that normal tours don't go. Yeah, it was really great. And like, you know, you're, you're doing something that's, that's positive and you know, helps guys to get a little taste of home. And plus they, you know, they, they treat you well with the travel, they pay well and and, and it all worked out. It was pretty cool. Good experience. <laughs> right on. Well, um, man, you've made your name in the last few years as, as like a, a sideman, but this all started for you by entering a, like a guitar playing contest, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'd say on the bigger scale, like I mentioned earlier, like doing more than your local scene. Yeah. That was it. I I saw a uh, guitar center contest. It was the Steve Vai Sessions contest, and you know you just entered a video of yourself playing. I guess they they had a bunch of backing tracks of his with his lead guitar stripped out. And they're like, here, do your own version. And um, I entered that, and they picked like a handful of winners. I think it was like ten winners from around the U.S., and I was one of them. And they flew me out to L.A. to do this whole sit down with with Steve Vai, which you know that guy growing up was one of my big guitar idols. So that was very like, that was huge, huge bucket list thing for me to even be noticed by him. But uh, he was very cool. And I did that and uh, thought, wow, that really worked. That paired me up with one of my idols. So I, I noticed Sam Ash music uh, had another Steve Vai contest, which I ended up winning and afforded me the opportunity to open for Steve. And I saw him after the show and he remembered me. And we talked a little bit, just started seen him around at things and it was kind of cool to have like oh this guy knows who i am <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, after that yeah okay internet contest this is my thing so then i ordered I entered another one 
And this was really the one that kicked things into high gear for me. It was a contest called Be My Band. And it was uh, the idea was that it was going to be a pilot for a television show, like a reality television show, where they take uh, ex-artists. In this case, it was Orianthe from Michael Jackson and Alice Cooper and everything. And, um, they put a band together around her from around the world. So I won the guitar spot. And then they had like a bass player from Luxembourg, a drummer from, uh, was it like South America? And they had a uh, keyboardist from Italy. So <laughs> everybody was from all over. And uh, they all thought it was cool that I was from Texas. Like, oh, you have a horse the whole day, you know? <laughs> Where's your hat? Yeah, yeah. So I told him I left it at home and my horse was fine. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just got to play along. But um, yeah, that was cool. And they, they like I said, they paired us up with, with Ori and, we did the show, but it didn't work for reality TV because everybody got along great. So there was no drama, so it didn't really work for reality TV. <laughs> but um, and, and after the show, it was kind of like, you know, hey, thank you very much. That was fun. Good luck to you. Like, okay, well, guess nothing's going to come out of that. Did they want else. a lot of like band fights and like got to get <laughs> a lot of that? I, I think they did. They they wanted some drama, but it just wasn't happening. You know, one of the the most interesting things was that you know, despite the bar the language barriers, you know, I mean, except for me from the U S but everybody else, you know, it's a lot of broken English and stuff. And, um, but when we all started playing together, it was really interesting how music has no language other than its own, like an E chord in any language is the same thing. And everybody just on the same page and it just, it was magic. It was really cool to see that happen. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it was kind of a one-off deal, but then a few weeks later, I got a call from Dave Stewart's assistant. So Dave Stewart, the guy from the Eurythmics and, you know, mega producer and many yeah. other things. He was the one who, that was kind of his brainchild. He put that whole thing together and his assistant said, Hey, Dave really liked you. Would you want to come play guitar for him? So like, yeah, absolutely. You know, let me check my schedule. So <laughs> that was it. So teamed up with Dave and uh, played with him for a, a couple of years. And we did some really huge concerts and, uh, we did like a Beatles tribute concert. It was like three nights at the Hollywood Bowl, like all sold out with uh, all this like all-star lineup and guest singers and like things that I'd never imagined. Like I'd gone from like a local Texas guitar player to just like, boom, you're playing in arenas. Like, whoa, you know, it was, it was pretty crazy. And what was that so, like? What was that like to you, like to be looking out? I, I, cause I, yeah, I know you were. You said you played in a local band that drew a lot of people. What was it like looking out on the Hollywood Bowl? I've been, I've been there. I've been on that stage. So, as a tech, it it, it looks pretty crazy when the place is packed. So, how did it look as a guy from Texas, like this guitar player that just kind of fell into this? Well, not kind of fell into it. You worked your way into it, but you know. But it went like yeah, zero to a hundred, really. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and it was interesting because you know normally how a rock concert goes, the. uh you know, the house lights go down and the stage lights come up and you run out on stage and you start rocking. But this was different because they made us walk out on stage and stand there for five minutes before we played while the, uh, the MC of the show, I, I cannot remember this gentleman's name, but he was the same guy who introduced the Beatles in 1964. Oh, wow. He came out and it was cool. Yeah. Very nostalgic and uh, authentic. And he came out and did like a whole monologue about the Beatles and introduced Dave and everything. And, so, you know, I expected to run out there and just start playing, but we go out there and we stand there perfectly still and silent for five minutes and everybody's staring at us. So it was a little weird, like, uh, what do I do? 
Did know? it give you a what minute if, to like compose yourself and get used to the crowd before you started playing? That had help or hinder your you plan? Know, yeah, at first it was a little little unnerving, but I think after standing there for a minute, I was kind of looking out. It did give me a second to kind of reflect and realize, like you know, Neil, you've worked hard to get here. You've done this a million times. You know, it doesn't matter if it's ten or ten thousand. It's the same thing. You know, you've practiced hard all these years. You've trained for this. No matter what happens, you know it's going to be okay. Uh, you know, enjoy it, have fun. And I did, and it went great. And um, yeah, and then I just kept getting called back. So I guess I did my job all right. You know, and <laughs> um, yeah, that was that was just such a big jump into something else. And uh, when Dave started, he just started to slow it down a little bit, and he didn't want to do as many shows. So I kind of found myself like, how do I how do I keep this going? Because I didn't know a lot of in between gigs to do it was either mm-hmm. like you know texas bars or hollywood bowl like oh, what do i do in between <laughs> so my wife noticed that um after that one show i'd done with orianti that she was very involved in her own social media she's very personal and, and you know it was definitely her doing it it wasn't like a service or anybody so she says why don't you just message her like, all right cool why not what do i have to lose so just sent her a, a dm like hey keep me in the loop if you need a guitar player and just try to keep it light, <laughs> not kind yeah. of desperate. And uh, Ori called me the next day, and she said, "Hey, yeah, my uh, my guitar player that I've had forever, his family owns a dentistry practice, and he's going to go to school to be a dentist. So you're in. <laughs> okay, cool. So just good timing, and you know that's why I tell everybody, it's like you know, you got to have the skills to do the job, but just being forward and asking for what you want." is is super important and i think that's you know with anybody that owns their own business or anything you got to go get it you yeah. know that's the, the saying opportunity knocks like it, it really doesn't <laughs> you got to do the knocking and you also have to be willing to take that opportunity if it comes to you which you know i i've i've followed your career and you seem to be always ready to do it you know there's yeah. there's some cats out there that will say they want it but when it comes knocking on their door, they're like, well, you know, I've got this girlfriend or I've got this job or I've got this thing that I really can't leave, you know, and uh, like you've wanted to make this. This this is what you want your life to be. So kudos, man. Yeah, you you were with Orienti for a while, correct? Yeah, I still am. Um, you know, I've played with her since I guess that was really, you know, I did that first show with her. That was 2014. And then I played with Dave for a year or so and then picked back with her picked back up with her pretty heavy starting in 2016 and we've done a lot of cool things and I still work with her and we're actually doing a live stream coming up uh, early next month. Right on. And, uh, but yeah, you know, no artist stays, well, I don't want to say no artist, but most artists don't tour 365, you know, or whatever they don't, they don't go year round. So for a guy like me that ended up sort of, looking for full-time work. And like I said, not knowing a lot of those in-betweens, like, okay, how do I keep this going? So I started branching out, trying to play with as many artists as I could. And um, at that point, I kind of had a little bit of a resume. So I just started name dropping a little bit as I think you kind of have to do sometimes. Oh yeah. That's how you get, that's how you network in this industry. Um, A lot of people think you're just bragging, but it's like, yeah, no, I'm just trying to show my resume. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, by by working with her, you also had the opportunity to work with Richie Sambora, uh, yeah, of Bon Jovi. I don't have to say that, but it's a, yeah, it sounds like something I should say. A Bon, say it anyway. It's cool. Richie Sambora <laughs> of Bon Jovi. Um, what was that like, man? Because 
you know, he, he was a big hero and when I was younger and just a great guitar player. Absolutely. You know, and, and that was, that was kind of a cool bonus that I didn't expect, you know, cause I knew that they, that he and Rory were dating at the time. And, um, he was very nice and offered a lot of like his, his sort of, uh, Richie Jersey wisdom. And, um, but just being around the guy was super cool because the things I would pick up from him, same thing with like with Dave Stewart and all these guys who have done all these big things. You, you just kind of have to absorb what you can from being around them. And Richie was a, he's a very like free spirited kind of guy. You know, he, he, um, does what he wants when he wants. And that reflects in his songwriting too. Like he never had like a real strict way of doing things. It was just sort of whatever felt right. Like he's a big feel player, you know? Yeah. And I think that rubbed off on any everybody around him, including Lori. I mean, she's she's known as being like a real, uh, like a real shredder kind of guitar player. But um, I think spending time with him and also a lot of the other guys that she's been mentored by over the years, like Santana and some of these other guys, that really showed her a lot about feel. And uh, that's so important, you know. It's yeah. not about playing all the notes; it's just about playing the right ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I've that's heard- that's the biggest thing I learned from him. I think. Yeah. I've heard Billy Sheehan say that, like, guys come up and ask him, like, you know, how can I learn to play like you? And he's like, just play the notes that that the song requires. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It seems so simple. I know, right? It's the hardest thing to do, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I tell people that sometimes, like, the best guitar parts I'll, I think that I write are when I'm not holding a guitar. I just, I try to hear it in my head first, like, what sounds right before I pick up a guitar and play what feels right, like, what's comfortable. So, um, yeah, just go with, with how it sounds. Cause the ultimate goal is to, you know, how the listener perceives it, not how, how you feel when you're playing it. Yeah. Well, how, how would you describe your playing, Neil? What, 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 what style would you describe? I've seen you play live, so I know what I tell people when I, when they ask me about you, but I want to hear what you, how you describe your style. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. It, it, it's funny because sometimes people will say, oh, you, you kind of remind me of this guy or that guy. And I'll be like, huh, funny. That's not something I ever set out to sound like, but maybe sometimes my, my take on it, my perspective on, on something just kind of came out that way. So, you know, I always try to be as a guitar player, I I just kind of see myself as a somewhere in between a technical player and a, and a field player like Richie, you know, like I'm all about guys like Steve Vai and all that kind of stuff. And even the new school guys like Tosin Abasi and Pliny and all these guys that are really amazing technical players. But I also always want to have the ability to like just milk two, three notes and have it still have the same weight, you know, have that same sort of heaviness. So I don't know. I guess if I had to describe myself as a player, I'd try to try to say balanced, but <laughs> but aggressive. You know, I like yeah. to. I really like to put it all out there 110%, no matter what I'm playing, even if it's an acoustic thing, I like to have it, you know, I, I try to make it all very important. Whatever notes I'm playing, whatever songs I'm playing, I try to make it really count, whatever that means. Yeah, know? yeah. Well, my my opinion doesn't count. I, I've seen a lot of guitar players in my life. Um, I remember the first time I saw you play, you were with One Up. And then after that, I saw you play... I think it was a cover band called Red Leather. Yeah, for a while yeah, I did that but, for a while. The eighties thing, yeah. Yeah, I remember. I remember walking in one of your shows and hearing you play, and then me thinking to myself, "Like, oh, this guy's just another shredder." And you hit this note, and I thought, "Nah, he's not just a shredder. <laughs> like, this guy knows what notes to play." In my head, that's what I was thinking. So, 
Yeah, I've always I've always thought you're a feel player with all the all the fucking licks, man. <laughs> you know. Thanks, dude. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, that's it. The balance, right? Just trying yeah, to have all the feel, but you yeah. Know. Paul Gilbert, I think, embodies that. Yes. In my yes. in my eyes, Paul Gilbert embodies the. He's got all the licks, but man, he knows what notes to hit. His phrasing is just amazing to me. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, and he's he's so like off the cuff original. Like he can just throw something out there. He didn't plan it. He didn't think it out, but it still just sounds so like heartfelt and like he, you know, yeah. like he, you could, you could write a solo for a year and not have it be that meaningful, but he just, he just oozes that kind of feel. Yeah. And for what it's worth, that's, that's who you remind me of when you play, when I, when I watch you play. So I don't know. I don't know if that's a compliment or (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what? Absolutely. And I, I think it's funny because that totally plays into what I was saying a minute ago. Paul Gilbert is not one of those guys that I ever really sought to sound like. I always yeah. respected him and what he did, didn't aware of him and everything, but I never thought I want to sound like Paul Gilbert. So that's kind of cool to, to hear. I appreciate it. <laughs> no, no worries. Uh, most recently, you uh, you just recently did a, um, oh, before I get into that, you released an album last year called Story of Row. Yeah. Yeah, it started out last year. It was sort of like a, a passion project I've wanted to do for a long time. And I it, I started on this like right before the COVID thing happened. So I was like, okay, well, now I have time to do it. And uh, yeah, it was, it was an album I, I did. The concept was basically to have a sci-fi comic book style story that went along with the, with the rock record. I, when I was a kid, I had the Spider-Man album. It's like an action comic and the characters were acted out, you know. I'll get you Spider-Man. Not today. Green Goblin. <laughs> and they'd fight. And then a song would come in. Spider-Man, Spider-Man. So it was really hokey and corny. But th- as a kid, I was like, this is awesome. It's like everything, you know, that you would want to watch on TV, but you're just listening to it. So I kind of made my own version of that. And I, I wrote this whole sci-fi story and I got voice actors and I programmed a bunch of cinematic themes and sound effects and all these songs. And I put it all together and Yeah. Awesome, man. <laughs> and how how was it releasing an album during a pandemic? I mean, was the response kind of cool? Did did you, you know, when you're not able to got able to go out there and uh, promote it? Excuse me. Um, but you were was it all like social media, like pushing the album? Yeah, one hundred percent. To 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 date, I still haven't played any shows doing it. It was a little odd trying to release an album during the pandemic, and I don't think. I don't think I'm a, a good enough marketing whiz to really push it as far as it could, given the situation, but I think it did pretty well. It's still growing. Um, and I think that the idea is something that takes a little time to sink in with people, too. I think if people accept your music right away, it's probably because they've heard that sort of thing before. Yeah. Um, but, you know, something like this, it is a little different. It's not going to be for everybody. It may be a slow grow, but I think the more people hear it, and the more people look for, you know, look for something fresh and different, hopefully it'll start to grow. And, and I can, now that things are starting to open back up, I could just need to promote it more. And, you know, but I've had a really great response on it from, you know, from people that have heard it. So, okay. yeah. And uh, to get back to what I was going to ask you, most recently you did like a small tour of Texas with a guy named Tommy Vexed, who yeah. sang for a band called Bad Wolves. That's right. Yeah. How, how was that doing shows in, in in a post-pandemic Texas. Yeah, yeah, that's the real question. Like, how how did it go? And that's what everybody's been asking me since I got back. And 
you know, Tommy, he's a, he's very, uh, politically outspoken and has a very strong, uh, stance on on a lot of things and i think that's that's a, a good thing to be i think a lot of people they try to make everybody happy and he's not worried about that he stands up for what he believes in and and you know not everybody in in the band or in his crew all see eye to eye on every political issue but we all come together on certain things that are important and that main thing being that we all want to get back out there and play music and um that's something that once we we did these first couple shows the response was insane. People were just like, wow, rock concert. It was like, like everybody was just losing their shit. So yeah, yeah, it was cool. And you know, there wasn't, it was interesting cause I was trying to play it safe. You know, I mean, we don't really know um, everything about the, the whole pandemic thing and the COVID thing. So trying to play it safe and distance from people a little bit, but there wasn't a mask in sight for the whole tour. And um, you know, we had gotten, uh, everybody had been vaccinated and everything, you know, beforehand. So we all ended up being fine and, you know, got tested at the end of the tour and, and everybody's fine. So it was kind of like, okay, we, we, we kind of had to rip the bandaid and try it. Yeah. And, yeah. and it looks like we're going to be okay. I mean, I think that, you know, we need to proceed with caution, but we are very cautiously optimistic though, because everything ended up being fine. All right. right on, man. And what was yeah. it like playing on stage for the first time after all this time? I mean, did you kind of, or did you feel like the crowd and just want to throw out every lick you knew or, <laughs> you know, for me, I, you know, living in Texas, we, during the whole pandemic thing, a lot of bars and restaurants were like bars were closed, but restaurants could still be open. I guess that qualified as anybody that sold 51% food oh, over yeah. alcohol. <laughs> so I was still able to do some bar gigs and stuff throughout the pandemic, which, which seemed kind of weird, but you know, I had to keep money coming in. It's funny because all the years of like, like teaching uh, guitar lessons online and doing bar gigs and things like that, you know, it's, you kind of want to get past that. I just want to do big stuff. Yeah. But when everything shut down, I was so glad I had those things because that's all I had. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was able to kind of keep performing to some degree and I was still in practice in my playing because like we said, I was recording my album so when it came time to get back on stage and perform in front of people, I really didn't feel like that far, you know, from where I was. Whereas like Tommy, he was like, man, this is the first gig I've played in 18 months. <laughs> like I can't even imagine. Yeah. I so, think he was in bad woes at the time when, when everything shut down, I think they might've even been on tour or about to start a tour. Yeah. So, so yeah, yeah, it'd been a while for him too. Yeah. Um, is there anything new you're working on right now? Mostly, uh, you know, the, this thing with Tommy, a whole new uh, chapter for me here, and I'm, I'm not sure where it's going to go. I'm very, very you know, hopeful and positive about it. I mean, we've got a lot of things coming up in the summer that are, that are being booked. And, um, you know, and I know Orienti's got a lot of things coming up as well. So those are kind of the two artists that I'm, I'm mostly working with right now. I always like to keep my options open if anything happens, if, you know, if Ozzy lives another hundred years or if the Foo Fighters need an eighth <laughs> guitar player, you know, just whatever, you know? Um, but you know, it's, it's been cool doing the hired gun thing for that reason. Like it's so cool being able to play with so many different people. And there is part of me that would like to end up at like a home base. Like this is your job and this is where you, you stay and you can invest everything into it. Um, but until it becomes clear what that is, 
it, it is cool to just jump around and play all these different types of music. Like, like with Orianthi, we do a lot of like, you know, r- like classic rock and sometimes pop stuff. But Tommy's stuff, we're playing like these seven strings and like drop G. It's like super heavy, you know. <laughs> so it's it's different, and I like all these different flavors I'm getting. So right now, you're you're content doing what you what you're doing, but uh, you know, you you can see down the road you being part of something. Yeah, I, I mean, I you're part like of that. something now. I don't I don't mean it to make it sound like that, but you know, yeah, you know I what I mean. You. I do, and I think like any. Uh, anybody that owns their own company or anybody that's like a, like a, like a contract employee, like a 1099 guy, you know, it's like, yeah, it's cool to have the contract work. And as long as it lasts, but it would be nice at some point to have some sort of um, stability. And I don't mean just financially. I just mean like just planning time, you know, and just, just knowing kind of where things are going, because that's something else that like when we first started talking and I mentioned being a dad, I have a three-year-old and it's like, you know, the being home this whole last year with, with my kiddo has been like really amazing. And it's, it makes it hard to leave again, but you can't put this. This is something that I think I realized a couple of years ago is I can't put the rest of my life on hold while I'm chasing a golden carrot. Yeah. You know, you may, you may never catch that carrot, you know, yeah. but life goes on. So I decided, you know, like, you know, you have a family and do these other things and, and it would be nice to, have a, a, a gig or a job or whatever to where I could plan ahead and kind of know where I was going so I could plan around like family time and things yeah. like that. So, What's well, a good stability. attitude to have in this industry? The, I see it more and more. It's yeah. funny, you know, when you tell people you're a musician for a living, they just automatically think of like the dirt, the Motley Crue, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not really like that. In fact, nowadays it's so blue collar. Like everybody's hardworking and they show up on time and they're prepared. I mean, not everybody, but you know what I mean? There's, there's more and more of that. I refer to backstage as Game of Phones. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Yeah, it's like, oh, where's the chicks and the drugs? Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I guess yeah. somewhere. Do you see here. this new app that shows me where all the clean public restrooms are in the U.S.? <laughs> That's exciting yeah. on the road. <laughs> that is number one. Yeah, the most important thing. People don't know the struggle. No, they don't. Well, man, the uh, my this podcast is called Is Breakfast Included? And if breakfast was included... Neil, man, what would you have right now? Waffles, chicken and waffles. <laughs> My man. <laughs> yeah, that's a very southern answer, but yeah, that's it. Got to get that protein in, you know, got to get the business in, but, you know, like I like the sweets. Yeah, the carbs. Um, uh, where can people find you on your social media? Uh, on Instagram, at Neil Swanson. Um, also I have a website, neilswansonofficial.com. And you can also find me on Facebook, Neil Swanson official and on TikTok. I'm on everything. All at what Neil is my, Swanson. What is my TikTok? Neil Swanson guitar on TikTok. I so that's where you're going to find me. Cool. Oh, and of course on all the streaming platforms, you can just search Neil, Sw- Neil Swanson and I'm on, you know, Apple, Spotify, all the, all of them. Cool, cool. Yeah. Is there anything you want to plug? Any gear? Any anything before we before I let you go about your day? Yeah, I mean, I guess you know. That being said, like I I am lucky enough to have gotten to a point to where I have some pretty amazing sponsors, and being that a lot of the people that follow me are guitar influenced or, or even musicians or whatever, I will throw out there that I'm super thankful to have companies like. Charvel, who's part of the the Fender family, so Fender, Jackson, Charvel, 
um, Gretsch, all those, all those great brands. I'm, I'm happy to have them sponsoring me. Also Boss, Roland, um, Orange Amps, Seymour Duncan, Ernie Ball, Jim Dunlop, Inky Cases, Neural DSP plugins. I mean, I've got this slew of great sponsors that I'm super lucky to have. So they, they've all been instrumental, pun intended, in, in keeping <laughs> me rolling, you know, especially like with, with, you know, when you're at a point to where you're being seen enough to where companies want to, you know, work with you and sometimes give you artist discounts or even, even free items, that really helps, especially when, you know, when you have a family. <laughs> what used to be my guitar budget is now largely a family budget. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, dude, that's that's a cool thing. So I'm very thankful for all the support I have, and I I really couldn't have done any of it. And I know people, I sound like I'm giving like a Grammy speech, but I really couldn't do it without my, you know, my family and and everybody that supports me while I'm gone. Because when I leave, you know, my wife's here taking care of everything. Yeah, but yeah. she's such a strong part of what I do. Like without her, I'd be a guitar player and living in a one bedroom studio with a TV and that's it, you know? Yeah. And she's, she's really helped to direct my talent. I feel kind of like when I look at Ozzy and Sharon, you know, <laughs> like Ozzy's clearly talented, but Sharon really like kind of took it by the reins and like, okay, here's what we can do with this. <laughs> yeah. 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 And she I, and knew I exactly to what to do with them. Yeah. And I don't mean to discount myself. I mean, I'm a hustler. I work hard. I know what I want and what I'm doing, but she has been huge in, in what we do here. So well, right go. on. Well, more power to her, too. Yeah. Well, buddy, I do appreciate you taking the time to do this. I know it took us a minute to get connected, but um, thank you for doing this. And uh, I will let you go for the night, man. I wish you nothing but luck thank in you your so much, career, Chris. buddy. Really nice of you to, to reach out and uh, give me a chance to talk about this story. Because it is it has been quite a road, and, and it keeps going, apparently. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Personally, I don't see it ending anytime soon. Me neither, man. I'm, oh. I'm positive about it. Looking looking ahead to the future. Cool. Have a good night, Neil. You too, man. Thanks again. Right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Right on. That was Neil Swanson. Really great guy. You can check him out at neilswansonofficial.com. He has tour dates, merch, music, all kinds of stuff. Also, Neil Swanson on Instagram and Facebook. And he's out with the band Vexed right now. So if they're in your area, go check them out. You won't be disappointed. All right, guys, I'm done. You guys have a great day and I'll talk to you next week. <laughs>